Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. They are the insurance professionals, they're the insurance experts. They'll find you the right insurance that you're covered. I don't care whether it's auto, home, life, business, whatever it happens to be. They'll find you the right insurance so you're covered, and then they will search endlessly until they get you the best price. And then if something happens, they'll go to work for you right away as if it happened to them. They're your partner in this. You need a great insurance agency to have your back. And that's Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Summary. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And don't forget about the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, May 2nd at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club to benefit the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. May 2nd, and the show will be out there for that, and there are going to be a couple of former Penn State football players coming out for that as well. Very nice. And I'm in the mobile Sunbury Motors studio here in Manhattan overlooking Times Square. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Weather's getting better and better. It's time to go out and buy a car. Go to the pros. The best to deal with. And that, of course, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. In a few moments, we will talk with Matt Leon in Philadelphia about Villanova and about the Phillies and the big signing of Scott Kingery, who... Signed a six-year deal. We'll talk to him about that. But first, the play-by-play call the day. Putting a smile on Sister Jean's face. Loyola goes to the Final Four. Up top, Sala with it. He's going to pull from the elbow off the right side. No good. Rebound comes down to Loyola. Shot clock is off. And Kansas State will not foul. And Loyola's fans raising the decibel level to an all-time high at Phillips Arena. The hugs are happening on the sideline as the final seconds tick off. Two, one, zero, and how about this? Loyola Chicago, who prior to this year hadn't made the big dance since 1985, is off to the Final Four. The Ramblers defeat Kansas State in dominating fashion, 78-62, and they become the fourth 11 seed to head to the promised land of college basketball. And they're trying to uh, get to the national championship game for the first time since Jerry Harkness and Johnny Egan helped them get there and win it in 1963. And Jerry Harkness, by the way, was at the game. It's interesting, Loyola, in I think it was that particular year, we talk about Texas El Paso starting five black players in the 66 game at Cole Fieldhouse, which was immortalized in a movie starring Josh Lucas, who played Don Haskins. Well, in the national championship game in 63, Loyola beat Cincinnati. 
And Loyola, including Jerry Harkness, started four black players. The only uh, Johnny Egan was the only one that wasn't. And there was a game, it may have been in the tournament, maybe it was during the regular season. But ironically, Penn State's playing Mississippi State. Well, they started four black players in the Mississippi State game, and the agreement going in, this is how backwards life was back then. Okay, this is how backwards was. The agreement going in was they would put, quote, no more than two on the court at one time. They were like, that with this, they started four. Well, now this Loyola team is making Jerry Harkness proud by advancing to the Final Four in San Antonio. They get Michigan. The other half of the bracket is Villanova and Kansas. And speaking of Villanova, let's talk about them for a few moments, then get to the Phillies after that. Matt Leon joins us from Philadelphia. Matt, great to have you with us. Great to be with you. All right. Uh, Villanova gets to the uh, Final Four again. They've won 134 games in the last four years. No one has done that ever to win that many games in a four-year span. Matt, what about the consistency with which they've built the program and the fact that this is not a one-and-done program? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things. Uh, Going along with that, 134 wins, uh, another great stat for them. Haven't lost back-to-back games since 2013, which uh, it's just that boggles my mind when you you think about the the high-level college basketball but no, they. Uh, I think the fact that they aren't one and done. You see groups of kids grow together. Uh, they get better every year under Jay Wright. I think that's a, that's a big reason why they've had this prolonged success. And you think about it. You know, they won the national title two years ago. This team's pretty different than than that team. You know, they they've pretty much reloaded on the fly here while maintaining number one rankings, top seeds in the NCAA tournament. Now getting back to the Final Four. It's uh, it's really, really something. I say this to people here all the time in the Philadelphia area. I hope you're in appreciating what you're seeing because this doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't happen often. And, look, this is a team that understands the value of the three-point shot, and he has put a mindset in there, Matt, where, hey, don't be afraid to take it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think – Yesterday's win against Texas Tech, I, I don't want to say it was the most impressive because it wasn't when you look at their body of work. But when you consider they, they missed two-thirds of their shots overall, they missed 20 of 24 from three, and they still won uh, a regional final by double digits. Yeah, it may not have been quite that easy, uh, but uh, that that really, really says something because you're right. They are so plugged in with the three, but the fact that they were able to win a game of that level uh, – without shooting the three as consistently as we've seen. Uh, I just think that speaks volumes of just how good this team is and, and, and how well they work together. What about the matchup now with Kansas? Uh, I mean, two number ones going head-to-head here uh, in this one. So what are your thoughts after watching? That was, a, that was a heavyweight fight yesterday. That was a pretty good game. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to see both these teams from the scorer's table. I saw, obviously, Kansas with yeah. 10 in the first round of the tournament, saw Villanova yeah. uh, when they played Penn back in December. I think uh, I think Villanova's better. I think Villanova's better almost across the board. Uh, uh, to be fair, the Kansas big, Azubuki, didn't play. He played three minutes against Penn. So I know they're a different team when he's in there. 
uh, but I think Villanova can handle him. The rest of the Kansas Bigs, I think, are relatively pedestrian. They're either very talented but raw or uh, just kind of your your prototypical Big 12 uh, big bodies in there that, that can rebound and set some screens but, but don't bring a lot to the table. Uh, Devontae Graham's magnificent, Big 12 player yeah. of the year, uh, but so is Jalen Brunson. So I think you're. I think the the headline here should be you're going to get to watch these two kids play 40 minutes on the same court, and that's going to be exquisite. Uh, but I think Villanova got they're, a. They're going to be head to head too. Yeah, uh, Villanova is a deeper roster. I think Villanova is a more versatile roster, uh, and uh, I would take Jay Wright over Bill Self uh, when it comes to coaching personally. Uh, so a lot of the arrows point towards the Wildcats, and I think the, you know, don't underestimate the fact that Kansas has gotten to play its first four tournament games in Wichita and Omaha. So you know they haven't had to to move real far. They have definitely had the the home court advantage. Uh, where Villanova, I mean, they obviously people have traveled, but uh, they've had to do their work. You know, six hours away in Pittsburgh, six hours away in Boston. So uh, I, I like Villanova. I think they match up. I think they match up for very well with Kansas, and I just think, frankly, they're a better team top to bottom. The Phillies took an interesting step. They gave Kingery a six-year deal, uh, which you know, I mean, I'll blame you. you. You avoid arbitration all those years, so you take it. What do you think of that move? I was surprised, but uh, I think it kind of it's it kind of goes along with this group's going to kind of blaze their own trail, and I know that there is a. John Singleton, who was a former Phillies prospect who got traded to the Astros. The Astros did a similar thing with him. Obviously, it didn't work out well with uh, with him. But I think this uh, it makes a lot of sense. They think the world of Kingery. Kingery's really good. Uh, and this kind of eliminates, because a lot of people thought he wasn't going to get make the opening day roster and wasn't going to get called up right. in May until whatever that date is when you can uh, save a year of service uh, of team control on the back end. Uh, so this kind of eliminates that. He's going to start opening day. I'll be fascinated to see how they they work this, because they have a lot of talented young players that play the same positions kind of across the board. Because now you've got Hernandez, you've got Kingery, you've got J.P. Crawford, you've got Michael Franco. So that's four guys that probably should be everyday players for three positions. And you've got the same thing in the outfield with Herrera, Altair, Williams, and Hoskins. Uh, so I'm interested to see how Gabe Kapler is going to work this. But uh, I think it's a smart deal. I think Scott Kingery, I don't know if he'll be a superstar, but he's going to be a very, very good player. I think it is a low-risk, high-reward. It's a lot of those semantic games with the, the, the dates and, and when you can bring a guy up and stuff like that. And it gives everybody peace of mind that, hey, this guy's going to be a big piece going forward. And then there's the other part, J.P. Uh, Crawford. Uh, let's let's get into him. How interested are you going to be to see how he fares the first three months of the season on this level? I'll be interested. He was impressive when he came up last year uh, yeah. because his AAA work wasn't great. Uh, he no, was, it wasn't. If you didn't, didn't, couldn't if hit. you didn't know any better and you just went and watched the Lehigh Valley game with no context of who was who, he, he may not have really stood out uh, because he, he struggled to get his average above 250. Uh, had some up and down moments in the field. Uh, did walk a lot. He is a he will he has a great uh, approach at the plate, regardless of whether he's up down. That didn't change. But uh, but past that, he didn't. He actually I think played at a higher level once he got to Philadelphia. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine. There's just too much talent there in the big picture, and uh, 
and he's going to be pushed. The one thing that situation I mentioned with all those guys, you know, playing those positions, I I would look at that if I'm a player like I'm guaranteed nothing. I'm going to have to produce, right. and uh, you know I think that puts everybody on notice. Uh, I wouldn't put Crawford at the top of the list of guys that are on notice. I put Mikhail Franco at the top of that list mm-hmm. uh, with a big big star and underline it in red pen. Uh, because he's the guy they've been waiting for, and he has flatlined, if not regressed, the last couple of years. So he uh, he is the guy that I think maybe somebody takes him aside and says, you know, this there's a lot of guys now that are up here that they can find ways to not give you at bats. And he's had a great spring. Franco's been hammering the ball, so that's good to see. Maybe the light's going on, but uh, it'll be an interesting situation. He's also now surrounded by Santana and Hoskins. Sometimes that takes a little pressure off of you, instead of. Oh yeah, and you can, yeah, you know, yeah. you maybe you you move Franco down to like seventh or eighth in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, there is no pressure, and then all of a sudden, you know, if you can just depend on him to to hit the ball out of the ballpark twenty five times and and play reliable defense, uh, the, you don't there's there's not as much tension on him, and all of a sudden he becomes a a positive there. So. There's really nothing but good things happening here. It's just a matter of how much it develops yeah. and how much it comes together. But I'm fascinated to see this group over 162 games. I really am. Yeah, a lot of people are. The Phillies last year were 24th in the majors out of 30 in on-base percentage. You mentioned Crawford actually is not bad at getting himself on base. Santana falls into that category, too. How important will that be in, in the development of a team that they can get that number even into the mid-teens? Oh yeah, it'll it'll be a big difference. And you know, you're talking. I lost you a little bit there in the middle of the question. So if I double up on what you said, I apologize. But you mentioned Crawford, good at getting on base. Santana, um, Santana, Santana is, is well. phenomenal at it. Hopkins yep. has a, a good eye. You know, yep. and even guys like Altair doesn't walk a ton, but he has a very good approach at the plate. Uh, Herrera can go in fits and starts. There are times where you feel like he really has a good idea of what he's trying to do and great play discipline. We saw that theory made the All-Star team a couple years ago, the first half of the season, and then he can kind of fall off a cliff and swing at everything. So <laughs> he's kind of a wild card with that. But no, your, your point is well taken. Where this team was as far as play discipline and plate approach now as to where it was 18 months ago, it's night and day. Yeah. Well, it starts on Thursday. Wow. I uh, can't believe it. Uh, that's going to start uh, so soon. But I think the Philly, I think if the Phillies can win 80, 81 games, be right in that neighborhood. Now I think that that I think that's a sign to everybody out there. Oh, absolutely. And I, that's where I would say I would say five hundred is the goal. But I think if yeah. you want to, you want to look at glass half full. That division, you got Washington. Past that, there ain't much <laughs> there. There's there, there's no. teams in a lot in, in rebuild, if not waiting to bottom out mode. And so that's an awful lot of games they're going to play against teams that aren't very good. And that could uh, inflate their record a little bit to where maybe they are an 81 and 81 team under normal circumstances, but maybe they get an extra five, six wins because of how terrible the rest of the division is, at least on paper here in March. And uh, you know what? You start getting up to 86, 87, you're playing important games in September. So uh, it, it could be a lot of fun. My friend, appreciate the time very much. All right. Always, always enjoy it. Thank you. 
Matt Leon in Philadelphia. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. There are a lot of places to get insurance coverage, but only one place in the Susquehanna Valley ready to put four generations of experience to work for you. Hi, I'm Adam Purdy. At Purdy Insurance, we take the time to talk with you and find the right coverage for your needs. Everyone's situation is unique, so our approach is to customize coverage to best protect you. Whether it's home, auto, or business insurance solutions you need, call, email, or stop in to see how our commitment to personal service can help protect what matters to you. Great to have you with us. We've covered a lot of ground today, and the ground that we've covered today has included a look at the Phillies, an extensive look at the Phillies, because I think the Scott Kingery signing was really uh, – that's a forward-thinking move. I mean, does it mean it pays off? I don't know. But you know what? you gotta, you, you got to maybe once in a while do a couple things outside of the box. I think signing him to a six-year deal because he has great potential, um, I liked it. Uh, I, I just feel like it's one of those forward-thinking moves that maybe a little bit outside of the box at this stage instead of maybe signing him a year from now. I I I thought it was a good move. I think they have a chance to be a good team. Not great, not incredible, but better than last year. You've got Hernandez, Kingery, J.P. Crawford, Franco's. Franco's had a really good spring, by the way. Reese Hoskins, Nick Williams, Santana's going to be put. Now, they released Cameron Rupp today. They did release Cameron Rupp today. Eric, part of that rotation. And I think he can be a mentor for them. Aaron Nola's still, obviously, the guy. Eikhoff's a good pitcher. I, I think the Phillies have themselves headed in a direction that justifies some of the optimism the fan base was feeling at the end of last season. And, of course, we'll have the Phillies for you. Scott Fransky's on the show tomorrow at 4.06. So we'll get Scott's opinion on all this and more on the show tomorrow. Uh, and also Dick Girardi on the show tomorrow. We'll talk about the NIT. Uh, Penn State matchup, obviously, tomorrow with Mississippi State. In the semifinals, the first game, by the way, is going to be the 7 o'clock game which is Western Kentucky and Utah, and Penn State, Mississippi State in the nightcap. Now, it's going to be a 9 o'clock airtime tomorrow night because we'll list the uh, tip-off at 9.25, 9.30. It's more realistic. So we're going to have a 9 o'clock airtime tomorrow night. And we've also discussed the NBA draft. Uh, the reason we brought up the NBA draft is this has an effect on Penn State. Tony Carr has said straight out, and he said it again today at the, at the media get-together. He says, look, he says, I'm not thinking about that right now. He says, I'll, I'll get to it in a couple of weeks. And consistent with him. My advice would be if he were to ask but if he were to ask me, I'd say, look, put your name in. Don't get an agent. Go through June 11th, somewhere in there. I mean, really, the month of May is the critical evaluation time. You can do individual workouts. You can go to the combine and so forth. 
and find out what they think of you. I mean, the UBC will give you, obviously, an evaluation initially, and then they'll add that in with what the GMs think. They are not trying to recruit you. Oh, please, oh, please, come to the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not that, you know, you're being drafted. There's also a couple of other factors which I pointed out earlier about the draft. Last year, 64 underclassmen kept their four. Well, there are only 60 draft spots. There might be even more this year. But also, the high school class, the high school senior class nationally, does not have the depth of talent that this year's high school senior, that the high school senior class from a year ago had, which is this current freshman crop. Which means that the door absolutely will be open to more underclassmen, sophomores and juniors, next year in the 2019 draft. Because the depth among high school seniors not considered to be great, that opens up more spots in 19. So there's a lot of elements to consider here. But my recommendation to him would be put your name in, do not get an agent, take all those evaluations. If I had to pick one area right away where I'd say, Tony, this is where you need to be better, he needs more upper body strength, maybe another 10 to 15 pounds to absorb. That's why he's in the upper 30s on twos. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, PIAA uh, basketball championship. Kennedy Christian jumped out to a 30-0 lead. Now, unless you're the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Oilers, you can't spot somebody 30 and win. Kennedy Christian beat Lords Regional 78-36 to today. Thanks to our friend Doug for posting that on Facebook. Appreciate that, Doug. The Steelers uh, had an interesting dinner at the LSU Pro Day. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN reporting that Mike Tomlin, the head coach, and Kevin Colbert, the general manager at the LSU Pro Day. Decide to take somebody out to dinner. Guess who they took out to dinner, Sean? Let's see. I have running a feeling back it's Darius, running back Darius Geis. I have a feeling it wasn't a quarterback or a wideout. 
Nope. Well, I can tell you right now, there's no quarterback out of LSU. I no. <laughs> no. No. Darius no, Geis. No, quarterback. I've been a quarterback out of LSU since. I've been a quarterback out of LSU since Burt Jones. Uh, <laughs> the uh, they took Darius Geis out. Well, that's interesting. You know, there's a part of this that. You're wondering how sick and tired the Steelers are of this whole game with Le'Veon Bell. And I know Bell's a great talent. I know he's an excellent running back. I know he's an excellent receiver. I know he's an excellent blocker. But he is not a $14 million a year player in a league that throws the football. Uh, in a league where Todd Gurley has done well, where, where uh, Zeke Elliott has done well, where Leonard Fournette has done well. Look, Bell's among the best in the business. But he's $6 million higher right now than the number two running back, which is LaShawn McCoy. His contract is way above what Freeman's contract is, Dante Freeman with the Falcons. I mean, it's way beyond that. See, the problem is he's priced himself out. And if he puts himself into the market as a free agent... I just can't imagine he's going to get that kind of money from anybody. Can you? I mean, I know he's, what? what is he, 26? 26 years old? Pretty close to it, right? So he's got, mm-hmm. some, he's got some great prime years remaining. His great prime years remaining. But there is a certain market here. And in the market, right now, Bell is, what, $14.5 million, uh, with the uh, with him being tagged? Okay, so he's being tagged at 14.5, but McCoy's next at 8.95. I mean, is is $6 million or whatever, $5.5 million better than somebody else? And then Freeman's contract is in that group, too. And... I'm wondering if, you know, I mean, I understand there's negotiating. You know, I do understand that you put out a number, they put out a number, and then there's the journey to somehow meet to a number that both sides are comfortable with. But now they do something, the Steelers do something like this, maybe they're sick and tired of the act. Maybe they're sick and tired of the act. I don't know. Well, he's another day closer to ta- another day closer to thirty. Just now, you're in that. It's a quarterback-driven league. It's all about fast points all the time, and and you know, running backs just don't have that long shelf life like they used to. I know he does so much, though. Uh, to his credit, he is a complete player when he's out there. He is obviously an excellent running back. All right, we got that part. We know he's an excellent back. Okay, now the next part. He is fabulous on blitz pickup. Ben Roethlisberger will tell you he is invaluable to him as a quarterback in his ability to pick up the blitz and block. And then there's Le'Veon Bell, the receiver. As I pointed out once, I pointed out 30, 40 times on the show. Most running backs kind of run the circle right out of the backfield or else maybe they'll they'll run a wheel route, something like that. But Le'Veon Bell does all of that, but he also runs legitimate routes. Goes down, makes cuts, 
depths, things like that, where he's really, really hard for any linebacker to, to cover because he runs legit routes, cuts, and so forth. So, look, as an all-around player, he is tremendous. So I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Le'Veon Bell, the player here. My point is on Le'Veon Bell, the salary structure. Now, his point is that Roethlisberger got a big contract. Check. Got that. Antonio Brown got a big contract. Boom. Check. Got that. Now it's my turn to get a contract. Check. I got that. Right, so I understand all of that. But there's also, within the league, is he $5.5 million better than the next running back on the board? Which is 33% higher. And that is... That's so. That's something that, if you're the Steelers, do you want to keep playing that game? Because that's a long-term cap hit which now changes dramatically what you can do with the future of the franchise because now you have so much money tied up into three players. Now, Roethlisberger's restructured. Antonio Brown is restructured. But still, you'd have a lot of money and cap space tied up into three players. You need 42 others. Now, maybe they can come to a reasonable contract. But I'm surprised that they, they at least looked at a running back. I'm not surprised at that. And Geis is getting a lot of uh, a lot of notice for what he's been able to do at combines, pro days, things like that. You look at a tape, Darius guys can play. But I found that to be an interesting move. Because maybe, maybe they're sick and tired of, oh, great, we're going to do this again. This is a lot of fun. You know, I'm I'm going to show up the week of the first game. Great, fabulous. Man, I know training camp's long. It's laborious. I I got it. You know, but you know, second straight year, I'm going to. You know, at one point, now he he backed off on it. Okay, so, but at one point, he out of frustration, he said, "Well, I'm allowed to show up before game ten. I might wait that long." All right. Now, he backed off on that and said, I shouldn't have said that. And I completely understand the frustration because he wants his contract. He wants the security, and I've got that. But maybe after a while, the act wears a little thin. And, I mean, you're the Steeler fan. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have this guy locked up, and then we can just finally you know, move on from all this. And just have the absolute 100% certainty, yeah, late July, he's going to be in late trope, first day of training camp, moving into the dorms with everybody else. But we know that's not going to happen. If nothing changes between now and July in terms of hammering out that deal. Right. I mean, and I wanted to make this a fair a fair conversation about it. That's why I talked about all the things he brings to the table. He brings more to the table than any other running back in the NFL. And he, you know, he is a better all-around. LaShawn McCoy is a fabulous running back, but the blitz pick up with his pass receiving ability and so forth. Same thing with Zeke Elliott. Elliott's a really good blocker. Elliott's a really good running back. Elliott's a good, not great pass receiver. He doesn't run routes like Bell does. Fournette's a really good running back. Still has to be better on blitz pickup. Still has to be better as a receiver. So those guys, you know, Bell brings the total package. That's what makes Barkley so exciting. Barkley 
is that total package, runs legit routes, has become an excellent blocker, and obviously is a generational player as a runner. So, but where does Bell fit in committing so much money to a player with cap space, dominating cap space, does become an issue. I believe that in the NFL, not one team has won the Super Bowl where the quarterback commanded a minimum of 12% of the cap space. Well, what does that mean if the running back does? Because I can guarantee you there's no running back commanding 12% of the cap space. None. Because remember, LaShawn McCoy is $8.95 million against the cap. So if there's no quarterback that's commanding better than 12% of the cap space that wins the Super Bowl, so far it's been none. Okay, If you have 12% or more of the cap space invested in one player, you have not won the Super Bowl. Kind of surprised. I think a lot of people are surprised by that. Well, now you'd have th- three players invested. I mean, a lot of money, but and three extremely talented players. But this is where you have to be judicious as to how you balance the cap. That's why the Eagles are so intriguing. The Eagles are—they got what twenty of their twenty-two guys under contract set to go for this upcoming season. Uh, and they're not, I mean, they're two quarterbacks. The two quarterbacks, Foles and Carson Wentz, account for $14 million in salary. You'd be foolish to break that up. Right. You'd be foolish to break that up. Right. Right. I mean, they, that's what they command. And I think that's They'll why, I, I, think that's why I, I think that's why some of the Vikings fans were kind of bummed out. Yeah, we've got Kirk Cousins, but boy, wouldn't it be great to... Uh, wouldn't it be great to keep Case Keenum as our number two just for backup insurance, just for what he was able to do can't. last year? And you can't do it. No. You can't You can't do it. I mean, the number, the money for other spots on the roster. And, you know, that, uh, back in the day, uh, and he's moved on to be a general manager in other places. Scott Pioli, remember he was the GM of the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, what opened the door for him to be the Chiefs general manager? He was the capologist for the Patriots. You have to have a capologist. How do you work and manipulate the numbers to make it work for the roster? You have to have a roster that you can build, and it's got all the parts have to financially fit. And you know you're seeing all these quarterbacks make a ton of money now. Kirk Cousins is making. Uh, Russell Wilson, Seattle went from having a quarterback with third round money to then look through a success, winning a Super Bowl, getting to a second Super Bowl, and Russell Wilson's really really good. But then he commanded Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger kind of money, and. Seattle has has declined a bit since because they have not had the ability to get the is on a roster to create talent depth. They haven't had it. And also, it's interesting to see what Green Bay can and can't do with Aaron Rodgers' contract. 
So there's, there's, you know, that's where, see, the Cowboys are in an interesting spot. Dak Prescott is still working on, going into his third year, a fourth-round draft pick's salary structure. So the Cowboys should have room. Zeke Elliott is working on a first-round draft pick the third year of his contract. So the Cowboys are the kind of team that should theoretically have room. Now let's go back to Le'Veon Bell. Roethlisberger, I know he restructured, but commands a chunk. Antonio Brown, I know he restructured, commands a chunk. And then there's Le'Veon Bell, who, if he keeps down this path, is going to command another big chunk. He got all this invested in three guys. The Eagles, on the other hand, have so many things in place, so many items in place, which gives them room to make some of the moves they've made. Give him a lot of credit. By the way, did you see back to baseball for a moment? Who got moved to double A today in the Mets organization? Tim Tebow going to play for the Binghamton Nets. He was moved today to the Binghamton Mets in double A. He did go one for 18 in spring training. But as we all know, double A is the make or break level. Now, Why did I bring this up? Because it's Tim Tebow? Sure. But there's another reason I bring it up. Guess who's going to be playing in Altoona, Harrisburg, and Reading? Tim Tebow. Because the Binghamton Mets play in the same league, in the Eastern League, with the Reading Fighting Phils, with the Harrisburg Senators, and the Altoona Curve. So you might be able to see the Heisman Trophy winner in your ballpark. I thought that was an interesting note. Get your tickets now. No, that's all right. Well, he's still on we'll that come streak. Back with... <laughs> one for eighteen. Well, wh- <laughs> what a one. What's one for eighteen get you? Hey, promotion. But, <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, but you know what? This is their way of saying, okay, here, this is the, this is. Let's see where you are. This is your make or break time. Instead of like, instead of putting him in a high A minor league team and work as, I mean, Tebow's not, he's not a young prospect. All right. That, you got to remember, age comes into play here. I mean, he's, he's not 40. All right. But being an older prospect trying to do this, you don't want to just put him down in a low minor or into upper A and like, okay, we're going to continue this journey. Then you've got to find out whether or not this is real or you're wasting your time with this. You put him in double A, it's the make or break spot. So I think by the, for the Mets, it was a smart do. I know there are a lot of things about Tebow the Mets like, but the point I'm making is, hey, fans in our area will get an opportunity in Reading, Harrisburg, and Altoona to maybe see him play a few games. All right. We will come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. I say the Steelers draft Darius guy is going to have to learn how to stop at the line of scrimmage and wait for the hole to open. That'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Oh, my goodness. Uh, All right, we're in New York in Manhattan. Beautiful day here today. Uh, Overlooking, literally overlooking Times Square. Uh, 
18 floors up. Now, yesterday, ah, something was happening down there, and I'm sitting here, and all of a sudden I hear all this cheering. You can hear everything from down there, police cars. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this hotel's like, I don't know, 48, 49, 50 stories high. So, yeah. It's a beautiful day here. And then tomorrow they've got Mississippi State. 9 o'clock airtime tomorrow night. 9.30 will be the tip-off at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Penn State's practicing right now. In fact, they should be finishing up practice now. They went to the New York Athletic Club. Uh, they had actually bus there. It's uh, New York Athletic Club's 14 blocks from here. Well, when they practiced at the New York Athletic Club three and a half weeks ago, they just had to walk over because it's right next to Essex House where Penn State was staying. So these walked out the back door, walked in the back door of the New York Athletic Club and practiced. Well, they've gone back up there to practice today. Now, tomorrow they got shoot around in Madison Square Garden. And uh, they'll play Mississippi State tomorrow night at 9.30. And the opening game tomorrow night will be Western Kentucky against Utah here in the NIT. Look, there's such there's a value to this that uh, let, let's be honest about it. If you, if you don't have the NIT, you've now missed out on the opportunity to play a good team like Notre Dame in their building and win. You've missed out on the opportunity to play a good team like Marquette in their building and win. I mean, those are the opportunities you miss out on that can be program-building moments for you because you are not going out there and you are not facing teams... 200 to 351 in the NIT. I mean, Penn State has not faced a team in the Ken Palm rankings ranked higher than, you know, or ranked lower than 87, right, since the Ohio State game. I'm talking the, uh, the Ohio State game in the Jordan Center. They have not faced a team ranked past the seven spot since. And that's something I think a lot of people don't realize, that that's what they've been doing. They have been facing a lot of very good opponents and winning. In that span, Maryland is ranked in the top uh, 55, beat them. Obviously Marquette at Notre Dame beating Ohio State. Even Northwestern is ranked in that top 87 group. In fact, Temple is the lowest one at 87. So without the NIT, you wouldn't have these opportunities kind of opponents and then find out more about who you are and where you're going. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Sunbury Motor Studio stays mobile tomorrow. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.